Thank you for tuning in to School Mental Health, Beacons of Hope, where we gather diverse perspectives on creating inclusive school communities to support students. This podcast is brought to you by Erica's Lighthouse and hosted by me, Brandon Combs, Executive Director. Today's topic is about the school health model, WISC, or whole school, whole community, whole child model, and its interaction with school mental health. Our guest is Dr. Jeannie Alter, Executive Director of the American School Health Association. For her, the health of students is a professional and personal passion. She lives in Bloomington, Indiana with her husband, son, dogs, and horse. So welcome so much, Jeannie. I appreciate you taking the opportunity and chatting with me today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you. Absolutely. We're glad to have you. So I want to kick things off a little bit by asking a little bit of an icebreaker question for you today. So part of good mental health is good nutrition. So I'd love to hear what is your favorite fruit? Oh, my favorite fruit. I would have to say probably blueberries. Mm, Those are good options. My, uh, uh, when I was pregnant with my son, I bought 20 pounds of blueberries at a roadside stand and froze them and got them all right. You know, this is in June, July when they're, you know, really, really good. And um, uh, I ate probably 19 of those 20 pounds myself. And uh, I joked that I, he was going to come out looking like the, the girl who turns into a blueberry. <laughs> from the, uh, oh, Violet, you're turning Violet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's like this color. So it all turned out fine. <laughs> yep. Good. Good. You didn't have like a wicked-esque kind of child coloring coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He came out like normal human shape. So it was good. It was fine. Yes. Are you a, are you a cobbler fan at all being down in Hoosier country? You know, I like to eat it if somebody will make it for me, but I've never been good at making it. I yeah. think it's easy. It looks easy, but it's really easy to make it kind of um, the consistency wrong. So I allow yeah. others to make the cobbler for me. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Baking is a little too precise for me. I don't have time for the measuring. I just, you know, throw some things in and I'm ready to move. <laughs> yeah. My mom used to teach me how to make things that she had this one Pyrex bowl. They're these, I think they were Pyrex. Gosh, I may have that wrong anyway. And they have the different colored ones and, and mm-hmm. now they're like vintage. She had this one yellow one and she would just say, Oh, like up to here. I put just that much. I'm like, well, I don't have one of those bowls. So I have no idea how much that is. So, mom. Oh, well, yeah. That's how her grandmother taught her how to cook. So, well, that's, my mom is the same way. I was like, can I get that recipe? She goes, I don't actually know measurements. I'm like, well, that's not in any way helpful then. It's not helpful. She's like, it's up here. So. Yeah, throw some in. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's too much. Well, I, you know, I don't have that kind of guidance. Exactly. exactly. Although the flip side of it is also disappointing. Like uh, my grandmother made a really, really good pecan pie. Mm. And as she was getting older, I said, grandma, I really need to get your pecan pie recipe. And she goes, oh, it's just on the side of the caro syrup bottle. And I was like, oh, and I thought there was a trick to it. No, yeah, you thought this was an old secret family recipe. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is it's on the label. So yeah, just, the secret is high fructose corn syrup. Just go to town. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, oh. I do look forward to that time of the year where, uh, you know, not that we haven't all been eating crazy things and comfort foods this whole summer, but um, 
you know, the fall and all the foods that come with it. I think I'm excited about that. No, it's kind of the way I might have to break down and make myself a derby pie just to get some because oh it sounds amazing. If we were allowed to cross into your state, I'd come grab some. <laughs> <laughs> I did find out there's a Hoosier Mama pie company just up the street from my new condo here. So I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> really? Oh, that's so we'll be definitely stopping there and increasing my waistline a little bit more outside of my pandemic 15 that I've already got. Exactly. So. Yeah, the it's quarantine fine. 15. We're, yeah, we're not leaving the house anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can only see us from here up, so it's good. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Well, Jeannie, let's go and get started in chatting a little bit. So I really wanted to chat with you today specifically about the WISC model. And for those who are not familiar, it's whole school, whole community, whole child model, and really meant to be an all-encompassing view for us and how do we tackle school health issues. Um, within school communities. And so, but first off, I'd love to get you to uh, have a, provide a little introduction of yourself for our audience today. Sure. Well, so I'm Jeannie Alter. I'm the executive director of the American School Health Association or ASHA, 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 whatever, whatever, however you want to say it. Uh, everybody has their own uh, little twist on it. Um, we're a national professional association um, we're multidisciplinary and we really uh, focus on the WISC model and kind of, um, you know, we used to call it the coordinated school health model and then there was sort of an update to the model. Um, but our, you know, kind of the, the backbone of our organization is that coordination of that working together, um, that there are multiple components, including the school and family uh, and the community that works together. And if we work together, we have a better chance of being more effective and efficient in addressing issues that affect student health and wellness. So um, we are made up of sort of those different components. So we have health educators, we have physical educators, uh, we have counselors, nurses. You know, if you look at those components, those are the, those make up our membership. Um, and we also, uh, you know, obviously many of us are, are either working in a community setting, which is more of what I was working in before I came into this role. Um, and many of us are parents or, or, ha or caregivers in some way for students. So, um, we really like to have a diverse and multidisciplinary membership. Um, we're working on that as an organization right now and trying to look more like the WISC model and look more like the um, the students that we serve. So we're kind of on a diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, journey of our own as an organization. Um, and we're starting that work internally first um, and uh, and then trying to expand our membership in a way that makes it look more like that WISC model. Okay, wonderful. So, yeah. yeah, so we are in our, I think, 95th year, if I'm doing the math correctly, of as an organization. So we're a very, you know, longstanding organization um, and looking toward our 100th anniversary, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Well, get, yeah. start planning in place. That's a big one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and our um, our first conference, we were sort of founded in Cincinnati at the APHA conference. So, um, you know, we may, maybe we'll go back to Cincinnati, like a welcome home. We'll yeah, see. absolutely. 
Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, that was the city you and I first met as well. So that's right. Yeah. Circle, I think one of the things that I love about Asha, Asha, mm -hmm. trademark, my preference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and our relationship is finally being able to have that bridge and that conversation specifically surrounding school health. And where does mental health fit into that? Because we're frequently the ugly stepchild when we're talking about school health issues. Um, and if it does exist in schools, which it is increasing and it's great, it's not often coordinated in a broader school health conversation. Agreed. I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that mental health is really uh, kind of come up in terms of the importance because we all know that kids are stressed. Kids are, um, you know, there is a lot going on at home. Parents are stressed. Um, they miss their friends. You know, there's a lot going on. And I think that mental health is really being paid attention to in a way that maybe it hasn't before. Yeah. So and, that's the silver lining. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you and I, Asha and Erica's Lighthouse are actually in a collaborative together called Shine Light on Depression. And we're really focused on depression education, depression awareness, as well as some suicide prevention and awareness initiatives as well. So yeah. knowing that mental health is such a strong focus right now in the community and school health in particular, what are some other um, actions or um, work that ASH is doing surrounding school mental health issues? Yeah. So one of the things we recently had our uh, annual school health conference, uh, we held it virtually this year, as many organizations have. Uh, and we had a mental health forum where we invited folks to come present on mental health and kind of, um, you know, we, we, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't have a lot of topical forums like that, um, but we wanted to focus on mental health this year. And keep in mind that we were talking about this uh, this time last year and said, you know, I think mental health really is something that we should uh, pay attention to. Um, our other forums were related to school health services and um, uh, health education. Um, and so this was something that, you know, a while back, we were already starting to think about pre-pandemic. Uh, so we we did that. Um, we had a great virtual conference. Um, you know, we're all learning how to do this in sort of a virtual uh, world. Um, we're and, all applying for yeah. IT jobs after this. So. <laughs> exactly, right? My husband is a software developer, and I'm so glad. Um, and he works from home, so we're all together. It's wonderful. Um, but, you know, we, we had some really great, um, presenters. We, uh, Erica's Lighthouse was a presenter for us for a couple of sessions. So thank you for that. Um, so we have some great, uh, we recorded everything so that all that content is still available. So, uh, that was a wonderful opportunity for us to kind of shine some light on mental health, not to be too punny, but, um, <laughs> The other thing that we're, sort of is in the hopper is we're working on, um, uh, we're looking for some funding. We have a, we have a plan together and we're, we're looking for some funding to kind of include better screening for students and caregivers around mental health, um, whether that be through school nurses or school-based health centers, uh, just to be able to um, kind of have early detection and referral to services, whether it be within the school, if the school has that um, available or outside the school um, in the community. Um, also, we're working on a revision of a publication around protecting student health information. Um, and 
we really want to focus that on the challenges um, that mental health providers have within the schools. That might be school counselors, school psychologists, um, and understanding that um, intersection between HIPAA and FERPA and where mental health information might enter into the educational record um, and where it might stay within the health record. Um, so we're we had originally had a publication um, around student health, uh, protecting student health information um, from the school nurse perspective. And with, given this, you know, real importance of mental health, I mean, it's always been important, but I think, you know, we're, we're highlighting that more now. Um, I think it's, it helps if we all understand um, how we can best protect student health information. Yeah. I mean, protect that information as well as be able to share and collaborate on that information in a meaningful way. Yeah. I think one of the things that was so interesting when we attended ASHA uh, in Cincinnati last year, um, yeah. pre-pandemic, um, <laughs> was the opportunity to talk to so many school nurses who were, you know, boots and boots on the ground, seeing the type of things that Erica's Lighthouse is talking about with depression, suicidal ideation, and students, and just not feeling informed, um, yeah. not feeling empowered um, surrounding mm -hmm. these mental health issues. And yet they're the, frequently the one, the first ones that are seeing these kids that are going to be struggling from depression. And it's going to be showing up yeah. in things like stomach aches um, as kind of a good sign for them to be seeing. So I think even from our perspective, we see that the school health is such a rich world um, for us to know yeah. that they can take a more proactive role in helping identify um, children and students that may be struggling right. and, and be more proactive to do some more um, earlier inter intervention with these students. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, the importance of the WISC model and the, the value of that uh, is exactly what you said. You know, for example, you have students who are coming to the school nurse and they're maybe complaining of a headache, right? There are a variety of things that could be. It could be uh, a nutrition issue, right? It could be dehydration. Um, it could be they're hungry. It could be uh, anxiety. It could be depression. It could be indoor air quality. Could be eyesight. Uh, <laughs> it could be eyesight, exactly. So much, yeah. So being able to, um, and I think this is sort of the value of uh, not only the WISC model, but doing work in uh, like our conference where we have that multidisciplinary, we bring people together and we say, hey, let's uh, learn about what, um, the challenges are for our students. And it's not that we want to make you into a school nurse. It's just that we want you to understand what the school nurse is facing. It's not that we want to turn you into a health educator. We want you to understand what the health educator or the PE teacher are, are facing um, so that we better know how to say, okay, I think that this, you know, we see a headache. We see that it's happening uh, less on the weekends and more at school. Okay, so it's a school issue. Is that an indoor air quality issue that we need to talk to the custodian staff, custodial staff, the administrators? Is that more of a, you know, are they feeling anxious about something at school? Is that something that we need to send the counselor? So having that coordination and that understanding, um, I think is really important in helping just that child get to where they need to be. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things that I love about your organization that you've done really well is you have really uh, collected an amazing group of thought leadership to be having these broader policy discussions. And I think so much of that is understanding everybody's roles and responsibilities. We put so much 
on our school communities um, that they yeah. have to be watching as being kind of centers. And this is a whole another conversation we could have, but centers are pillars of communities for youth. Um, and yeah. so when we add so much in there, it's so important for all of them to be communicating effectively. And I think that is one yeah. area that we have a lot of work to do. And, you know, honestly, sometimes, you know, just having finished our conference, one of the one of the complaints that we get, and maybe complaint is too harsh of a word, but feedback that we get sometimes is, well, there's not enough uh, at the conference for nurses. So there's not enough for counselors. And I always think, you know, um, it's not supposed to be a school health services conference. It's not supposed to be a mental health conference. It's supposed to be really different topics, um, different roles, uh, and even different settings sometimes, right? So there's that community yeah. component um, that we're, we're supposed to be getting more familiar with what everyone else is doing. And so that means there's a little bit for everybody. Um, but if the better we can understand uh, the issues that our, our nurses are facing um, and what they're seeing, counselors then can be more effective because they know when to do that handoff and that coordination and so it's, it's a difficult task at times oh. to, to come up with that good balance of content and information and sharing. Um, but we, we do our best. And I think one of the areas that we really do quite well is we involve a lot of higher education in terms of the people who are preparing teachers to come out. And you know, we want to see that next generation of teachers understand coordination, understand how to, and I don't just mean health educators or PE teachers, I mean science teachers, uh, you know, everybody in the school building, we want to make sure that they um, know that they don't have to do this all by themselves. Yeah. Um, and how to work together better and understand even just a, you know, kind of cursory understanding of what the counselor's there to help you with when they come out so that they are good collaborators um, once yeah. they hit the classroom. Absolutely. And one of the roles is this is kind of the WISC model. And so from kind yeah. of this WISC model as an opportunity to kind of give us a broader oversight into school health where we can better see connections and opportunities when we're yeah. talking about it. I would love for you to kind of quickly explain just for people who aren't familiar, again, the WISC model stands for whole school, whole community, whole child model. But can you give me kind of a quick intro into that? Yeah. So as I said, the, the WISC model is really kind of an update of the Coordinated School Health Program uh, that came out of CDC um, and was really kind of spearheaded by um, one of my former professors, Dr. Lloyd Colby, who's an amazing, amazing person in general and just a wonderful uh, professional. Um, the update was kind of a collaboration between ASCD and CDC and really just highlights the importance of that coordination of school health services across those different components. Like I said, it in involves um, the cafeteria, it involves the custodian, it involves the bus drivers, it involves, right? So those are some of the people that we don't tra traditionally think of as being important in school health. Now, with the pandemic, we sure have decided that the bus drivers are really important, right? Because that is the first- Absolutely. Um, kind of point of entry for a lot of students. And so we've been thinking differently about them, which I think is wonderful. And those paraprofessionals that are in the schools, um, the person who is, or people who are on recess duty, right? 
um, the school, the teacher's aides, all these folks are playing a part in making sure that students are healthy um, and doing their best. And I think that that coordination is just the, the way to ensure that students are the central focus. Um, and I think the really, I think the thing that people have a hard time getting their minds around when it comes to the WISC model is that this is not going to look the same for every student, for every school, and for every issue, right? So you might, um, you know, for example, I am a, a member of our school um, wellness council, which is kind of the I think of that as sort of where all the act or where all the coordination starts is just to have a group that has those components represented, um, whether that's counselors or teachers or um, the cafeteria, um, all of those folks represented so that when issues come up, like the, the last meeting I was at, we talked about life-threatening allergies. Um, and I think that that's really important for everybody to understand and I'll, I'll use this as my example, as a parent of that in that school corporation, I wanna know what school nutrition services are doing to address life-threatening allergies. Um, it's important for me to understand because then I know how I can be more cognizant of what I send to school with my child um, and being more um, um, aware of what could be a life-threatening um, allergy for a student. Um, and it's a, we have a, a pediatrician so the pediatricians know and can communicate with the schools about what help, what's um, helpful um, in terms of addressing those issues when they come up. Um, so that that school school health or wellness council, people call it different things depending on the school, is the kind of the hub or the the heart of the WISC model within a school corporation or school building. Um, and just understanding how we can share information, um, make sure that the really important things are in that school wellness policy. Um, I think vaping is a really good example of something that was sort of an emerging trend that all of a sudden the school wellness policies were like, we've got to figure out a way to, it's not represented there, right? This is a new, it's not just a new modality for uh, nicotine delivery, but it's something that is really, uh, an issue for our students and we need to make sure that that's there. And when those school wellness uh, councils were in place, they were able to quickly get that into the policy. It's just a responsiveness issue, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, mental health is, a, it fits right into the WISC model. We have all of these folks who are paying attention to uh, the health and well-being for students and the WISC model is, that's exactly what it's there to do, right? And the, and the wellness, wellness councils or whatever, you know, your community might call that. Um, it's just that we are in tune with what is going on with our students and mental health is a huge one um, yeah. for this. And this is just sort of exacerbating some of the issues that we've seen all along. Yeah, and I think one of the things that was <clears throat> that you hit on too when you were talking about the wellness council was the inclusion of some of those outside partners that are so important yeah. and certainly a place where Erica's Lighthouse can fit in and help infuse kind of additional support and services within school districts. 
But yeah. I think recognizing that our schools already have so much that they don't have to duplicate something. There are external partners like a pediatrician um, yeah. that you can be partnering with and bringing in for either consultation on a committee um, or a referral out if it's appropriate within that district um, and within kind of what that provider can offer. And I think that's the same story yeah. certainly for mental health. I think we have seen such a large number of treatment within youth for mental health mm -hmm. is the treatments only happening at school. Um, it's good treatments happening, <laughs> but yes. in most cases, I think that's probably not necessarily a sufficient amount of treatment for what, mm -hmm. what our students are facing today. So I think recognizing those opportunities to bring in those outside partners um, and leverage them in meaningful, tactical, strategic ways um, can yes. be really, really powerful as well. And I think, Brandon, when you think about how much we've adapted to a virtual environment, um, I think that that opens the door to thinking about our partners differently in terms of it doesn't need to be the local mental health center. It can be a partner like Erica's Lighthouse. You don't have to be just, you know, across the street anymore. And I think for um, us, yeah. that's exactly one of the conversations we're having. I mean, telehealth has blown up and it's become so mm -hmm. much more widely accepted that, you know, if we're yeah. talking to a district in rural Kentucky and they're saying the closest mental health therapist is 40 minutes away, what are we supposed to do? There are actual solutions for that now um, that yeah. we did not have before. And I think that's really exciting for us. Absolutely. And you're able to provide, um, you know, a certain level of technical assistance and support to uh, communities who are utilizing the tools that you have that I think, now these tools have always been here, right? We've had these ways of, but people are more comfortable now with communicating in this way. And um, I think that that opens doors for schools to be able to think about who do we need um, to help us provide support to our students? Where do we get the support? And I think that you know, um, that's one of the kind of the upshot of of the pandemic is we we're actually a lot closer in a lot of ways. And some of these national partners are now within our reach to be able to to call upon. And yeah. I think that's terrific. And I know that Erica's Lighthouse has been doing a lot of work to to get the programming uh, out there and and um, support the schools that are utilizing it. I think that's terrific. And that's why I'm really glad that we're, you know, partnering together on Shine Light on Depression. I think it just is putting um, the tools in place that, that schools need and making it more accessible. So, yeah. And we're trying to absolutely have the same conversations you're trying to have at your, about kind of these integrations with different different service providers and uh, within school policy committees even. I mean, the school yeah. wellness committee and a mental health committee or a separate suicide prevention task force, you know, these should all be in place. Um, yeah. But these committees should also be working together. I think one of the things that we are so excited about at Erica's Lighthouse is the opportunity to have the curriculum delivered within a health education classroom and know that we have the mental health staff of the school right there supporting that teacher while it's doing it, helping identify those kids that may be struggling right then and there, um, then utilizing the skills-based approach to be sure that in six years, if, that, if one of those students is now struggling, they still have the skills they need to identify the problem and seek the resources and support that they need, be it from the school or an outside provider. 
um, but then also really lifting it up to those policy conversations, being sure these conversations are happening. And as you started out talking about kind of how do we do that data sharing and protection of that student information um, is the same thing. You know, if that student's been identified, does the school nurse have that information? Are they aware that something could be going on um, if right. the student comes down, um, as well as educating the whole school is another piece that we're really big on having common vocabulary. And that's not just around de surrounding depression education or suicide prevention, that's surrounding any number of topics that that school building, if somebody comes to you and says that they're your trusted adult, you know, that adult needs to know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing that that you all are doing really well, and I think shine light um has been <clears throat> focused on this as well it's just the stigma piece if we can talk about this <clears throat> excuse me if we can talk about this i think we uh the stigma around it is um something that we can kind of chip away at and if we start having these conversations early you know i have an eight-year-old third grader and i can have conversations with him about sometimes we're sad you know and sometimes we need to ask for help mm -hmm. um, and start to have those conversations early. I think that, uh, and, and let people know that these are perfectly appropriate conversations to be having. I think that's, that's a huge win in and of itself. Yeah. And I said so what we constantly see and, you know, people that have heard this podcast before, it's a broken record. But what we see are that students want to be having these conversations and the yeah. challenges we're really seeing are more about that educator and that parent piece um, and mental mm -hmm. health. It's still uncomfortable <laughs> um, yeah. and it's very generational. And we're seeing that. And so within school communities in particular, how do we get past that? How do we break down these conversations? And that goes right back to that school education, school, tra school staff training piece that you were talking about. You know, I think it's yeah. interesting when you were saying school health is finally starting to appreciate um, the cafeteria employees and the bus driver so much more. And I look back and it's like in mental health, we always have because that bus driver yeah. is the last person that's going to see that student. And if they're concerned about them, they need to know what to do. Um, and they need to that's be sure right. that that bus driver, you know, says, you know what, stay on the bus. We're going to go. <laughs> I'm going to take you to someplace safe yeah. right now because you shouldn't be home alone or whatever that situation may be for that student. And that goes beyond mental health and to any, yep. you know, uh, physical concerns um, beyond mental concerns as well that for that student. But I think it's just such an interesting piece that the pandemic has really forced these integrations and recognition that a school counselor or a school social worker or a school nurse cannot operate in a silo. We all have to be communicating with one another. No. And that's the thing. I mean, I think when we talk about, oh, well, you should have a school wellness council or, or people automatically think, oh, no, another thing to do. Right. And that's not at all what we're saying. Actually, we're saying if we do this together, there's actually less for all of us. Yeah, this is easier for everyone if we're actually communicating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. We're not sort of working in parallel. We're converging on the issue and doing, you know, we don't, we don't have to do this alone. We're in a community. So um, we want to, we want to make sure that the students are the center of that community. Yeah. And I know we're running out of time, but I do just really want to ask one more question, kind of what can we do as both ASHA, Erica's Lighthouse and the broader community to do a better job of being sure practical, meaningful, actionable mm -hmm. mental health conversations mm -hmm. can be had within a school health paradigm? 
I think, you know, I think that's really important. I think sometimes we talk, uh, you know, way up here and, and sort of theoretically and, you know, and I think for me, I, you know, maybe this tells you a lot more about how my brain functions, but I really like a for example, you know, I think if we can talk about things in an, in a very applied manner, um, it just brings it to light a little bit better for me. Um, and so I think being able to talk about things and, and, and really model, you know, how would I have this conversation, right? How would I have this conversation with an administrator about how we are going to put mental health of our students first? How are we going to have the conversation with our third grader, you know, about how do we start those conversations and give people the words Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds really simple and kind of silly to say it out loud, but it's really important. Um, and I think sometimes just practicing that is really helpful. Um, as a sort of a silly example, um, I recently, I like to ride my horse in the woods. And uh, I recently took a trail safety course. And we talked about how, you know, things like basic first aid and what should you have with you in case, you know, something happens, but also if you are confronted by someone um, in the woods, you know, and all you have is your horse, um, what do you do? And one of the really important things that we did is we practiced using the words and saying, you know, sir, please step back sir, please step back because sometimes that's hard for us to just get the words out. Right. Yeah. And so we practiced telling someone, you know, having a hard conversation, like you're in my space and I don't like it. You know? <laughs> um, and, and I thought that that was the most valuable thing out of this whole course is just giving us a safe space to have that conversation. And so I think that um, in terms of mental health and mental health, among our students, practicing having those conversations is really important and doing it in a, a place that is safe and it may feel silly because it's contrived, but it's sort of some muscle memory for us yeah. um, that when a conversation comes up with our principal and we can say, you know what, and we've sort of worked on having that conversation in the mirror um, and bringing up a tough conversation, I think is, is really important. Yeah. And that goes right back to the stigma piece that you mentioned earlier. And it's, yeah. you know, frustrating from a mental health perspective, you know, 20 years into this and we're still having this, <laughs> we're oh, still having this stigma right. conversation, but we're making progress and we'll get there. But we are, we are. Yeah. And I'm so happy that Asha and Erica, Erica's Lighthouse and National PTA and, and Anthem are all working together on this project. I think it's really important and I'm glad that it brought us together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeannie, thank you so much for taking some time to chatting with me today. I really appreciate the opportunity, touching base about WISC, about the work ASH is doing really quickly. Where can people go if they're still interested in seeing some of the ASHA virtual conference materials? Yeah. So if you just come to our website, website, it's ASHA, A-S-H-A, web, like the World Wide Web, dot org. And uh, you can find under our events tab. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and enjoy beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. Thank you. You as well. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 
Thank you for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. For more information about Erica's Lighthouse, please visit ericaslighthouse.org. If you have any ideas, suggestions for future topics, or are looking for more information about our programs, please contact me at brandon at ericaslighthouse.org. Have a great day.